Hello, everyone, and welcome to You Love to See It, a podcast where we watch movies and TV shows and then tell you all about them. This week, we watched the 2001 commercial disaster, Final <laughs> Fantasy, The Spirits Within, the first and last film by Square Pictures uh, in Honolulu, yeah. Hawaii. And I am Stephen Strum, managing editor of Fanbyte.com, and I am joined, as you can probably already guess, by Danielle Riendo, editor-in-chief of Fanbyte.com. Hello! Clearly the biggest Final Fantasy fan on our staff. That's mm-hmm. me. Yeah, you stand Sephiroth. <laughs> You've always said that. Uh, also joining us is a person who truly does stand Sephiroth. It's John Warren, uh, head of media of Fanbyte.com. I love that Sephi. Uh-huh. <laughs> You love that weird mutant. And finally joining us is I take a sip of water because I thought that was going to be longer. I just want to leave you hanging there just a really quick like, (laughs) and then, you know, it's back to you. Uh, Perfect. Thank you, John. Thank you for giving me that space to play in. Uh, We are also joined by Fanbyte Weekend News writer Natalie Flores. Hi. I do not stand Sephiroth, but I stand Final Fantasy. There you go. That's good. That's okay. I think most of us on this call do to some degree. Yeah, I mean, I especially I Danielle. Do. Yeah, especially Danielle. <laughs> especially Danielle. We we established that. Yeah, uh, we are here to talk about. We we did the uh, Final Fantasy VII, the Advent Children. No, sorry, just Advent Children. Uh, I just you know wanted to make sure I got it right to respect such a just classic piece of cinema that everybody agreed with us about when we did our last episode of You Love <laughs> to See a Bit About really It. Loved yeah, I mean all, all the comments, yeah. all the comments were really supportive and like you yeah. know they were they were super cool and and it was really nice to uh, get that kind of support. Um, Even if measured, really. Yeah. yeah. Let me take a sip of uh, water and check the comments back in. And, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so also, like, if, if you didn't hear the backstory when you did listen to Advent Children, this is all my fault because uh, back a few weeks ago, actually like <laughs> 10 days ago or so, I said, let's watch the bad Final Fantasy movie. I thought uh, Spirits Within was the bad Final Fantasy movie. Everybody else watched uh, <clears throat> Advent Children, so I had to rush and watch Advent Children, so we did a podcast on it. And now, finally, culminating in the prep work I did, you know, uh, two weekends ago, we're watching the spirits within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, do we want to go ahead and establish that if Natalie had been on that initial call or initial chain of communication, that she also <laughs> would have watched the spirits within with you? Right. Yeah. We would have had a 50 50 split. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh huh. Yeah. <clears throat> Despite yeah. the fact. Despite the fact that, Natalie, we, we did just learn something about you before we started recording this, which is that you do like Advent Children better that's than this movie. That's, that's <laughs> I'm what, sorry. That's precisely what I'm saying, is that the bad Final <laughs> Fantasy movie yep. to Natalie would have been spirits for them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, you, we're just too subtle the, for that's right. the less bad one. They're, they're both, you know, they're both flawed. Um, yes. We have things to say about them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Natalie. Uh, they're flawed yeah (laughs) they're um they've got a few issues you know know? we we all we all can relate um we all have issues and virtues and um yeah uh, (laughs) we were all formed as like a trio of naked men inside of a mountain that came to resurrect our weird dead god we all came from genova and we were born into (laughs) advent children and now we're channeling the spirits within to talk to all of you about these movies we how are. great they beautiful. are. That was beautiful. That was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, the movie can't relate, sadly. <laughs> 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 D- 
disagree with you on that point. If it makes yeah. anyone feel better, I... Mm, okay, no, wait. We're just going to keep going. Okay, well, <laughs> to start things off, I should probably tell people what this movie is in case they haven't themselves seen it, because not a lot of people yeah. saw this when it came out in theaters. Yeah. Boom! Yeah. Uh, oh! <laughs> I did. The spirits with... <laughs> oh, did you see this in oh, theaters? Oh, oh my God, Steven, look at the release date. July 11th, That's true. 2001. <laughs> yeah. That is 10 days after my 16th birthday. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Oh, no oh you saw it for your birthday. Oh, I was so... Okay, so I had, I had surgery on my hip that required me to be in the hospital until July 5th. And so I didn't uh-huh. have a birthday party because I was in the hospital. Oh. And so I was like, oh my God, I, a Final Fantasy movie out for my oh birthday, boy. just for me? Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, yes, I went to go see this in the movie theater with my mom and I believe oh. two of my friends. Yes. Did you, Did you enjoy drive it? everybody? Oh. Did I drive everyone? No, because I, no, I didn't. I was not allowed okay. to move. I, it was spinal surgery, so I was not allowed to oh, like gotcha. turn my back for another like month. Uh, wow. And so like driving is one of those things that, you know, I guess technically, you know, you have to like look at blind spots or something. I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at a blind spot in 20 years. It's fine. Um, yeah, it couldn't be me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I did not drive. But yeah, okay. uh, we went to see this uh, see this film. I was very excited about. And someone asked if I liked it, and I, I mean, I definitely apologized for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like it's probably like the high I mean I liked I liked everything when I was a kid and yeah. so but this is one of the first movies that I saw that I was like um okay you know maybe like, this isn't it yeah like I was like ah, <laughs> alright um yeah I just couldn't really I couldn't really come up with the language for like trying to explain why I didn't like the movie because it was one of the first movies I saw where I was like, I don't know if I like that. (laughs) So it's so powerful. I wanted to like it very much though. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like a movie that like, I mean, that was what they were trading off of, right? Like this is the height. Uh, okay. Let me say what the movie is. Oh my God. Real yeah. Quick. Sorry. Oh, I'll yeah, read the description. Yeah. Um, I'll read the description. And we'll get right back to this, which is the spirits within follow scientists, Aki Ross and Dr. Sid, crucially spelled with an S and not a C. Yeah. In their <gasps> efforts. To, yep. Uh-huh. In their efforts to free a post-apocalyptic Earth. I think it's like 2065, 2065 in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. From a mysterious and deadly alien race known as the Phantoms, which has driven the remnants of humanity into barrier cities, Aki and Sid must fight against General Hine, who wishes to use more violent means to end the conflict. Which is like a very broad version of what's going on in this movie, yeah. but it's you know gives you a bit of a sense of what's going on. Um, yeah, I will say crucially, as as we just described the plot, that it has a plot. It does. Uh, it has a plot. It, it is. It is something that you can follow, and it makes some sense. Now, not like, you know, realistic sense of, uh, you know, any of these things would happen in anything like real life, but there is some internal consistency and logic, and it does also introduce its characters, which Mm -hmm. these are all things, I'm very sorry, Natalie, (laughs) but these are all things that you can't really say about Advent Children. No. 
No, at, at, no. So we're no. starting. We're starting at a point here. We're starting at a point. Right. Yeah, and you know those characters are like terribly one-dimensional. They're oh, yeah. like nothing. It's like Alec Baldwin is here to play Alec Baldwin as Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Stevie Shemmy is here to play as Stevie Shemmy. Well, yeah. uh-huh. So I'm gonna say something. <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna <laughs> jump to this movie's defense right away. Um, Perfect. But like, I, we I think just these, started. John. I think these characters are as. <laughs> They're as one-dimensional as, like, the crew of aliens. That, that yeah, is a metric of... Yeah, I mean, that like, is a metric like, of like, this use. movie... Several <laughs> people are typing. This, right, this, right, this right, movie has this. the vibe of those movies. Okay. Ragtag Guru. Mm-hmm. Ragtag crew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got crew from Despicable Me. <laughs> uh, like ragtag crew, and like you know, uh, the 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 person, the 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 put upon woman that sets up all the red flags that no one cares about. Uh, yeah. The scientist that believes her. Uh, the yeah. villain that thinks that everything ha- is in black and white. Like all of these archetypes <laughs> exist in eighties. Uh, horror action movies like they completely yeah. do and like the vibe of this is very much I, I feel like in that vein um, I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right it was actually one of the thoughts I had watching this movie is that this movie is definitely of a piece in terms of tone of a bunch of sort of like post alien yes. mid 2000s early 90s kind of like sci-fi was kind of coming in vogue Event Horizon was coming out in theaters a movie like Event Horizon was getting made which is was not happening for a long time and it doesn't really happen anymore right now right. and <clears throat> they think that the big thing there in terms of craft is just that like in Alien those characters get a lot of screen time to interact and well, well express their personalities. Well, I think to the one writing another. is good, though, is also the thing in Alien. In There's Alien, also a yeah. lot of like production design stuff that goes on, especially Aliens. Uh, you know, the sequel, which right. I think is not as good as Alien Same. the first, but uh, probably it closer has to this a movie. lot of costume design and production design choices. Like each of the actors like decorated their lockers, and they had like little costume yeah. design choices that aren't like. Not a big, huge thing, but does at least go a long way in like giving a little flavor 100%, 100%. to a character. Hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But but what we have here are a bunch of <laughs> archetypes that are like easy to follow, right? There is goofy Steve Buscemi guy, and like you said, uh, John, all the all those kinds of archetypes, and they have a problem, and they are going to go on an adventure to fix the problem, and the problem <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, Dr. Aki, Aki has a thing inside of her that is in a funky cage inside of her chest mm-hmm. uh, and they need to find the eight barrels uh, yep. they're all different animals and creatures and people this is like a really mid uh, mid-series Evangelion kind of vibe to me like figuring out the aliens or figuring out the creatures that you need to hang out with or do something with. Obviously they're not killing them in this case. They're sort of vibing with them. Uh, Uh, They're killing them a lot. Like not with the, not with the spirits, but they do shoot guns at ghosts a lot in this movie. Yeah. There's almost like a starship troopers vibe to that. And then this weird, like even Evangelion vibe to the actual, like the mystical pseudoscience stuff that's going on with, um, uh, the spirits themselves. So there, those are two things that are good in some ways uh, that were, I guess, fun callbacks. 
the Ving Rhames character literally in this movie does die in the exact same way as that other guy from the movie Starship Troopers. I forget, yes. like, what character that is. But, like, pinned down yep. underneath rubble with a gun, like, give me a gun and I'll hold him off kind of yep. moment. Like, literally, they just lift that scene from Starship Troopers for this same movie. Same shit. Yeah. 100% same shit. Uh, they're lifting a lot of things. This does feel like a very interesting pastiche. Um, and I have to say, like... I, I can see where uh, a fan of Final Fantasy or a fan of Final Fantasy VII would appreciate some things about Advent Children, but coming in as somebody with no knowledge, really, of any of these things, other than, again, like, cultural assimilation, assimilation rather, you know, of, like, knowing what Cloud looks like or, or whatever, <laughs> this is, like... Again, like a, a kind of pastiche of sci-fi tropes with some mystical shit kind of thrown in versus something that was very clearly made for a fan of uh, of this universe yeah. and of the characters, right? So there are two radically different things doing radically different things. I don't really see how this is a final fantasy in basically any way, but I'm also not the expert on that. I actually maybe want to kick that question over to Natalie because Natalie, I think you're probably we are pretty negative about this movie, but it sounds like you're the most negative among us. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder how much of that comes from like this movie basically might as well not be a Final Fantasy movie other than like brand recognition, right? There is absolutely <laughs> nothing about it that sets Final Fantasy to me. Like I, I sat down to watch it with three people, and I remember at the forty minute mark, I was falling asleep. By <laughs> then, we had asked like five times each of us like why is this final fantasy what is final fantasy about this and it was just a very stressful experience yes i i and were, were these other fans yeah that's a good yes. question um okay. so okay. one of them she uh she's my best friend and she plays final fantasy 14 a lot with me but she mm. isn't into jrpgs because they're very grindy so she <laughs> um she basically will never play any other Final Fantasy besides Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, and a woman of culture and refined taste. <laughs> is what I'm yeah. And my other friend, um, his name is Kyle, and he's a journalist in the industry, and he um, he likes Final Fantasy. He hasn't played all of the games, but he's played several of them, like eight, nine, uh, ten, like some of the really good ones, you know. And so, yeah, and he, he has not seen Kingsglaive, which I have, mm. I will subject both of them to because if there's a movie yeah. I hate more than the storm, the, the spirits within, it is Kingsglaive, but we're going to get to that at another time. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, so um, no, it... it that's my response. It did not feel like Final Fantasy. To well, me. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's like a big part of why I was trying to wrap my head around that, even as a 16 year old. Like, I was like, I really wanted it to be a very specific thing. And if you, it was 2001. So this is basically um, after Final Fantasy IX. I think like Final Fantasy X had maybe just come out. 10 came out later that year. Okay, so it came out kind of in the fall of 2001, uh, fall, winter. And so I was, like, really gearing up to basically have this, like, you know, uh, little treat in between those two very good games. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, what... This is maybe only the second or third time I watched this movie, actually. I don't think I had... I, I had maybe watched it again between seeing it the first time and now. I feel like I had, maybe in college. But, like, I... um, 
this I, I didn't like go back to this one I, I, you know I had done that with Advent Children a few times because it was trying to fill in maybe like a piece of the mystery with Final Fantasy ah, yes. 7 Advent Children has one thing going for it above Spirits Within for you okay yeah it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, like, it, it, it in theory filled in some gaps with I mean in theory I really think it did not but like in theory it yeah, filled we just in needed some gaps to know that Ruben should have a reason to revisit it sure 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 um, yeah, but that's like, a win. But we stand. Yeah, it's a win. Let's <laughs> put that on the box art for uh, Advent Children. Uh, it, it barely reminded John about something from Final Fantasy VII. Um, hey, the spirits within can't say that. No, well, see, but, yeah. but here's but here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. There were elements missing from this film in the story building that I think were desperately needed, which is like this did not need to happen on Earth for it to resonate like the fact that it was happening yeah. uh in new york city and then i'm uh, literally the tucson wasteland the tucson arizona wasteland <laughs> like yeah. for me that that completely sucks the air out of the idea that this is related to final fantasy is that the world yeah. building is not being done on the setting enough for me to like step outside of like th just thinking about like strip malls in tucson and like this group trying to find like that's not final fantasy maybe that's an interesting plot of something but it's not a final fantasy game but i will say um <laughs> and natalie natalie you might like really really be upset by this um that's okay I'm, like, I'm strong but like yeah. after playing final fantasy 7 and starting final fantasy 13 yesterday I actually oh, saw wow. a lot of both in this film. Oh, yeah. Which was kind of like a shell city guarding against an unknown enemy, which is very Final Fantasy 13. And the false or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. a lot of that stuff was kind of kind of in in spirits within a bit. And I mean, obviously the the overall like the the meta thread of like the planet is alive and you can hurt it. it I mean, that's Final Fantasy VII, if anything is. Yeah. Like, that's a very that Final Fantasy VII concept. That was the only connection I made personally. Yeah. Also, like, there, there are a couple of, like, there are a couple of oblique references in the form of the thing at the end of the movie. One thing that you they discover at the end of the movie is that the planet is alive because it is inhabited by a spirit called Gaia. Yeah. Which in... Mm -hmm. Final Fantasy VII, the the planet is never referred to as Gaia, but in like supplemental material in the years since, they have said, "Oh, that planet is called Gaia." So Final that's Fantasy a reference right as well. Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah, okay. I was about to say I didn't know that's that. that's a little bit of an FF Nine thing too. This kind of like I just parallel wish someone would have stepped in. Oh, <laughs> well, you wish what, Natalie? Oh, but I just wish someone would have stepped in though and been like. I miss my pet chocobo at home. I gotta feed them or something. <laughs> like, like Gaia is not explicit enough of a reference. Or like if yeah. someone was like, "Oh, I wish I could hug my Moogle plushie for comfort during these trying times" or something. Right. Like mm -hmm. some sort of you know, like Gaia definitely is not. A, it's not enough. Yeah, Final Fantasy specific reference. Like Gaia is something that you can hear in like Horizon Zero Dawn and other RPGs. Yeah. It's just like a name that people like in rpgs and, and and even just beyond ultra specific references just the character archetypes and the like nature of what is going on in a conflict none of it like matches up tonally with anything that any final fantasy game has ever really right. done yeah. that i can think of anyway like that 
the, the closest thing I can think. Like, well, like you said, John, like maybe you, it does match up with some stuff that they eventually moved into later with Final Fantasy thirteen. I mean, it's, 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 like, I, I hate to say it, but like there's a lot of that kind of like protect, you know, is is the barrier doing us good like kind of the exploration yeah. of like the 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 battle between like no we need to actually expose ourselves to this like this thing versus uh we need to destroy it like that there is a lot of that energy in 13 although it's handled in a, a much different way and in a much more actually like kind of hard to grasp way in 13 yeah. i think where yeah where spirits within is just very you know they've they've got to basically get a point across in an hour and forty minutes, and and they they've simplified that quite a bit. Which and they do it with James Woods. <laughs> they do do that. They do they do? And and it's so funny because like you know my my real exposure to James Woods up to that point had been two films. One it was 1997's animated film Hercules, and the other yeah oh good yeah. yes and yeah. the other is a film uh, called Digstown, which I I I think we should watch for a weird you love to see it sportsman will crossover because it's a oh it's a weird <laughs> boxing movie that no one ever talks about, but I like a lot and. Huh. And so, like, I didn't know that James Woods was um, a psycho, like a total, like, yeah. racist shithead at the time. But it was it's really real cry to Rhode Island. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah, but it's really funny oh. to listen to some of his monologues in this film, knowing that stuff, because I'm like, yeah. oh, this guy just wrote this shit. It was like, ah, all right, yeah, this <laughs> is just James Woods like riffing, basically. I feel like so. I don't know. It's one yeah. of the saving graces of his performance in this movie is he's just playing himself. <laughs> yeah, he's just being a right-wing asshole, which is just what he is. I mean, yeah, sorry, yeah, but I know it's really no. funny. So you're telling hey, me that Danielle- if I shoot the planet, it hurts it? <laughs> that fucking line of dialogue in this movie every time he's talking to aki ross the uh, the ming na wen character yeah. in this movie who's the main character who was i don't think we've mentioned yet originally planned to be the world's first digital actress yes uh-huh this is wild. She was yeah. featured on Maxim's Hot 100 list and was the say. first like yeah. animated one. Yeah, there's um there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack sure there. There's yeah. a lot. Yeah. It's such it's such a 2001 fact of just like. Oh. Let you know the ultimate goal for Aki Ross is to not only become a digital actress but to appear in the pages of Maxim magazine. So it's she like ranked eighty seven out of a hundred. Good, good for you, girl. Good like, for you, girl. I, I, I did a lot of reading about this movie and about Aki Ross right before we did this uh, podcast or this morning. And one thing I love about reading about video game related stuff from this era is that that is a footnote on literally every single character page for any female character. It's just like IGN's babe section gave her the number 100 out of 100 for fucking like the most bangable chicks in video games or whatever. And I completely forgot about the IGN babe section. Yeah. Remember that? That was going that was going for years longer than it should have. Wow, I really, really forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, the Imagine Games Network, your home for babes. Imag- um, the Imagine Jugs Network. <laughs> 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 you won't have to imagine with our new babe section. Oh, what a nightmare. Oh okay, sorry. No, we're all in hell now. It's fine. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, so they were going to make her into a digital actress. She was going to appear in more movies. And as we alluded to at the beginning of this, that did not happen because this movie was a spectacular failure that uh, partially led to Square Enix, or sorry, Square Soft merging with Enix, its longtime rival, to become Square Enix. Uh, The Honolulu studio was rolled into Square Soft or Square Enix proper. Sakaguchi Hironobu, Hironobu Sakaguchi, the director of this movie, it was his first ever directed film. Uh, he never directed another film again. Shortly Aww. left uh, Square Enix like three years later to go found a new studio. It was like a very. This is partially like what leads to a big sea change in Square Enix that we have talked about on a previous episode. Yeah. We, we talked in our. Uh, you love to see it for Advent Children. Um, this is kind of like teeing up the ball to to bring in Tetsuya Nomura on every single project that they would ever make from now to the end of time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we basically would not have. Um, we, we would not have here. Let me, let me, let me kind of look at his resume real quick. So mm-hmm. he was still credited as an executive producer up until games that were released, uh, in 2003. So he didn't, mm-hmm. he didn't leave right okay. away, but he did leave and we wouldn't have the games blue dragon or lost odyssey, which is actually a, a good video game. Yeah, um, that's really good. We would not have those games without uh, the abject failure of uh, of this film, I don't think. So it's very interesting. Lost Odyssey, often referred to as the real Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yeah, I, uh, it, I mean, yeah. that's not. I'm not making that up. A lot of people, a lot of people do that. Yeah, I mean, it was envisioned as being kind of one of those big tinpole projects for. Or square, but then it was it, he, he took it over to Mistwalker, which is basically the studio that he founded, um, which yeah. is a really good game. Like, I mean, if you like it, it is a Final Fantasy game in literally everything but name and like overarching yeah. themes. It's it's a good one. Yeah. Folks should check it out. Um, came on four there's four a discs. Of reading. It's got a lot like, of reading. Lots of books, like books in the game. Yeah. Uh, there's like. Okay. Gotcha. Every your character's like this is nothing. Uh, sorry, you, I'll just say this and then we can move back on to <laughs> spirits of it. In that game, you are like immortal, and every time that you like remember something from one of your past lives, uh, it produces like a short story that you can read about mm, that life. Okay, it's really, it's like really right long. Yeah, it's something yeah. that me okay. and my friends <laughs> talked about when we were watching this movie, which is that just because you're a great storyteller through one medium doesn't necessarily mean that you oh. can tell a great story through another <laughs> medium. Oh, yeah. yeah, you are so right about that yeah <laughs> yeah and this was his first movie his, yeah. his first movie he had ever made was a 177 million dollar budget in 2001 i mean like the amount with oh, how much was that again 100 177 million dollars us okay wow. keep talking Okay. Um, it was $177 million. It was $45 million to start that Honolulu studio. Uh, this movie was also plagued with a bunch of other stuff that probably explains a lot of, like, why so much of the overarching beats don't really make sense. Like, they're searching for these eight spirits to cleanse the planet of the phantoms, but they never explain why these eight spirits are technically so important or special or why eight or what. They, like, none of that stuff ever gets laid out. Um, partially... This was because this movie actually went through a bunch of changes mid-development, mid-stream, because... That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like, things like new 
technology for rendering cutscenes and stuff like that would happen so that they would have to go back, but then suddenly stuff wouldn't match old stuff. And it took 90 minutes to render a single frame of animation in this oh, movie. God. This movie took four years to make. Um, and it was like something like, I think they were as like a PR move. They were like touting that it was like 190 person years of labor went into making this movie all told. And wow. So what ended up happening, like the original pitch for this movie, a lot, there's a lot of the details about what this was originally supposed to be have gotten out there. It was more about the city and almost maybe a Midgar like quality where it was like going up and down among the uh, it was it was literally supposed to take place in a city that was like sectioned off into like a lower level and an upper level. Um, oh, that and, sounds like, familiar. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Um, and there was going to be things like uh, weird secret police and oxygen cellars and stuff like that. It was going to be way more focused on like the uh, city life within the zone or whatever. And what we get instead is a whole lot of shots of desert throughout a lot of this movie, even in the alien planet battle scenes, which just look like nothing because they're just big flat plains of desert. Yeah. And they don't evoke that at all. They don't evoke anything otherworldly. Yeah. Can I tell y'all something insane about this film's budget that I just calculated mm-hmm. while y'all were talking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Adjusted for inflation in 2020. So take a grain of salt because a lot of these films were not made in 2020, but they were made much more recently than Spirits Within. Uh, adjusted for inflation, uh, Spirits Within costs more than every single MCU movie except for Endgame and Infinity War. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, that's fucking insane. And, and that's not even including, I assume, the $45 million that went into starting this studio right. that closed immediately yeah, after. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that, that's just the budget of the film itself. How wow. did this get the green light? <laughs> I, I, I guess they convinced... A lot of folks in the same way that they kind of convinced the public that this was going to be a digital actress that will be in other things that like this was basically the new wave of like cgi film production is like you can i I don't know i mean it was built it was built it was built in maya so maybe maya was also like heavily invested sure. from a marketing perspective on yeah, like oh, maybe. getting this oh, kind yeah. of yeah. you know oh yeah no you can make an entire film in maya and this is going to be with the wave of the future it's like it seems like a lot of incredible i mean what a, what a weird i mean it's like pixar had existed at this point and been making yeah. films for well pixar existed for a long time but they'd been making you know uh, major Big production budget, like films for yeah for like right? seven years yeah. at this point. Yeah. So I mean I don't know what they were trying to. Monsters Inc. came out like what two months after this. Right. I don't know October what, I think of two thousand one. I don't know what they thought they were like. What were they? <laughs> I don't know. Like what were yeah. they? What were they really trying to do here? I must have thought it was an investment. That's, that's like the only thing that rings true to me is like, oh, the digital actress aspect or, oh, Pixar is being popular. You know, they've made several incredibly well-received movies. Maybe they were like, oh, this is po- there's a market for this kind of animation. You know, like there's there's uh, you know, there's 
there's fertile ground over here. Let's, let's, let's build our empire on it. And it sank. I, I think, I think this also comes to put it in context. Uh, and I, I want to hear your thoughts on this too, Natalie, um, hmm. to put this in context as well, though, this is also Square Enix, probably at the height of final fantasy power, like, like coming off of the height of final fantasy power. You've had seven, which was a huge success. Eight did even better in terms of sales at the time. Hmm. Nine yeah. also, I'm sure did very well. 10 at the time for context had, the highest, like the the record for number of pre-orders for any video game ever at that point, it was 1.4 million pre-orders when this movie came out, wow. um, and that was that was wild. And then they put the Final Fantasy name on it. But this is also the era where Square Enix is a company, uh, just as a company was really pushing heavily into summon animations and cutscenes mm. and pre-rendered graphics and stuff like that. That was becoming like an increasingly important part of the identity of what made a Final Fantasy game was like really nice pre-rendered CG cutscenes or, you know, very long, unskippable summon animations. Yeah. Uh, and like, uh, if I'm them and I'm like that tech obsessed and that like almost kind of like masturbatory about it, to be completely honest. I mean, yes, true. Absolutely. <laughs> I could see like that philosophy bleeding over into making its own studio, and like Natalie as like also a huge Final Fantasy fan. Like, what do you kind of think about that? Like, ethos playing into that. Mm, I think it's a little tricky for me because although I am a huge Final Fantasy fan, this is kind of before I got into Final Fantasy. So I got into Final mm. Fantasy around twenty. Uh, 2009 like fi when final fantasy 13 came out yeah oh wow okay yeah so it's been a part of like the majority of my life but then my life has been rather short thus far <laughs> <laughs> so i i have no consciousness of little tadpole natalie during this time like she did not know what video oh. game things were happening and all so uh there is like a sort of generational divide there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not... in terms of I tech and fair. in terms of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one thing I wanted to bring up about the movie as a movie as well, even though we're I know we're talking about like the context of how it was made and where it was made and why it was. We made. should talk about the was film though. <laughs> I know. I, I just think yeah. like, there is something charming about this movie that I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time wrapping my head around. And it's this, like, there's a charming weirdness uh, to this movie. Like, there is, it's a very, the plot itself is a very stock standard kind of sci-fi movie, except for the fact that there's also this mystical kind of bullshit going on as well. And, like, can, I just need to point out, like, the fact that there's this fucking ghost is amazing and on some level, right? Like, there is something to me that said, hey, you know what? This movie is trash, but you fucking went for it. And there is there's some part of me that has been on an absolute Roger Corman kick lately, <laughs> by the way. I have been watching the shittiest shit uh, for fun. So, like, don't ever think I am, like, an arbiter of taste. Believe me. Uh, <laughs> but, like, there is some part of me that just enjoys when whatever budget you have if you have three dollars if you have you know a three dollars and a sandwich which is some corman movies or if you have this amount of money if you kind of commit to being weird 
Uh, and it sounds like it might have been kind of an accident here, for sure, like with some of these continuity things. But there is that little bit that is sort of appealing to me. Like, this is a really rough around the edges movie for how high of a budget we're looking at here. Like, there is a real commitment to the bit of, like, they're ghosts. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking wild. <laughs> And I don't know if anybody else finds that appealing or just weird, but there is that going for it, at least in my there, mind. There are ghosts that, that only appear if you shoot a little confetti gun in the air. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's Ghostbusters. It's like Ghostbusters bullshit, yeah. right? At, the, at least towards the, the well, end. And, and, it is very and, then, and, then ben, and then Ben Affleck Baldwin gets like... Um, yeah. He, he, but yeah. By the way, my favorite ship, my favorite celebrity ship. <laughs> yeah. By the way, for for those of you who don't know this, uh, so Alec Baldwin plays the voice of uh, like you know the basically the lead the soldier dude guy uh, that's like helping Aki Ross. Like his you know they've had a past and all this stuff, and his face is just Ben Affleck's. Like they just they just put Ben Affleck's head <laughs> on this character which is very odd but early on they it, it's it's ghostbusters shit and there is also alien shit like they you know he yeah. gets infected with a, a phantom and they have to like pin him down and like you know it was like very much like prometheus it was surgery where they're like yeah. trying to find the find it and shoot it and you know get rid of it before it spreads and it's, yeah. it's just a pastiche of a lot of uh, better, better films. To be clear, oh yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I still don't know how this was that expensive. Now that I'm l- or thinking yeah, about I it, mean, like I really don't. It's the constant, it's the constant remakes and rewrites and I like having to render to all it. that stuff the way. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they, this did go through a few like major overhauls. Like at some point, um there was like released footage of kind of some of the scenes with Aki Ross, like early on, which, yeah. looked, which looked like, you know, I'm glad they redid them because they looked dated even for 20, you know, 2001. Um, this game, this movie looks very dated now. It did look amazing oh, in sure. 2001. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like there, there, there are little things I did notice that I was kind of impressed by. Like some of the facial animation was, uh, subtler than I expected. Um, sure. like then I remembered like some definite nuance in some of the faces that were delivering lines, which I was kind of impressed by in 2001 because that's that's definitely not a thing that was happening that often. I don't know. I would yeah, say visually Shenmue faces, like actual oh, Shenmue on the Dreamcast. Okay, so faces. I'm taking some like, notes now yeah. and figuring out. Yeah, maybe that's why I thought it was okay. Is because it just reminded me of my favorite game, Shenmue. So. <laughs> hey, I love that yeah. game. I'm not gonna. There's no shade there. <laughs> One thing I will maybe say about this is like you say it's dated, and it is dated, but it's like for when it came out compared to stuff that came out fairly long after it i think it still looked better way like way better than a lot of its yeah. um successors this is three years before the polar express and the polar oh. express oh yeah is oh, yeah. Hell, oh, like, yeah. it's like beowulf and <laughs> beowulf and like y'all remember beowulf i do because angelina, angelina jolie coming out of the yeah, water so like beowulf and the polar express and stuff like that it, it went for the same um like uncanny valley facial vibe but honestly yeah. i i think i think uh 
Spirits Within was actually easier to look at. Like, uh, like yeah. uh, Polar Express, I can't look at. Yeah. Like, I get too much weird, like, secondhand... I don't know if it's embarrassment or just, like, this is skewing me out too much to actually behold with my eyes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Polar Express is a distressing film. Natalie, have you ever... Do you know what we're talking about at all? Have I, you ever I seen this? I know the film. I've purposely never watched it for the exact reasons <laughs> you're all talking about. Good. good choice. Very good I choice. managed to avoid that, like, it coming into the direct path of my childhood, and I've maintained it that way, and... Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do the same with The Spirits Within, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, I I would love for you to read these lines that you wrote here, uh, as you called it, the best or slash only good exchange in this movie. Yeah, Yeah, so it happens. So I had hopes for this movie. I was was very open-minded. I think I was the most open-minded among my friends. And this happens, I think, less than five minutes in. So I was like, oh, there's some hope here. And then it just kind of went like super downhill from there. (laughs) But uh, there's this exchange that happens when Aki and everyone, they like return to the ship from like the fight that's happening with the alien monster. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a dude soldier who's like, do you realize you just risked the lives of my squad mates? And then Aki is like, it was worth the lives of you and your men. And then another lady soldier is like, you and your men. And dude soldier number two is like, she thinks you're a man. And the same lady soldier is like, I think she's an idiot. And then dude soldier number three is like, you're not a man. And then same lady soldier is like, I think you're an idiot too. And I was like, oh my God, yes, go off queen. I, I kind of love that. And so I was like, oh, okay. So like after I saw that exchange and I saw how everything went downhill from there, I was like, okay, so Max Caulfield from Life is Strange, who like canonically <laughs> says in the first episode that the spirits within is one of the best sci-fi movies ever made i was like Uh okay so she watched it up until that exchange she went to go play with chloe she took a fucking long nap and then she dreamt that she saw the rest of the movies so now she thinks (laughs) she thinks it's really good and i can understand from that exchange it was clever it was witty i i stand it i was here for the lady soldier just checking everyone um and then um yeah it just kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll say that. So like the, the, the crew. All right. So we covered Alec Baldwin and then there's, uh, I believe it's Ving Rhames. I believe it's Ving Rhames. Um, yeah. And then there's C. Buscemi and uh, Lady Soldier is played by Perry Gilpin, who is Roz from Frasier uh, sitcom. Yes. 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 And, and like one, her voice is just like a miracle. I don't know how she didn't get like, fucking every voice uh, role like ever i mean i just, I just love the voice so much um yeah. it, perry gilpin as the weird general that james woods is oh i would I, uh, please release the, the perry gilpin cut of uh yeah. of spirits within where she just voices literally every single character in this movie um no, that'd be been great uh, yeah it would have been it absolutely yeah. would have been like 100 percent um but it's like she's super expressive and she's basically she's very good at playing that exact kind of like uh just you know going off on people kind of uh personality and then i agree that exchange is very good i know there's one character named neil and i only know this because i had tuned out for a bit i was starting to fall asleep and so i went to another tab i, I had it on like the side so i i go to my browser and i'm just like 
trying to keep myself awake. And there's there's one of them that says, I want to have a little Neil Jr. call me daddy. (laughs) And the whiplash that I got because the phrase has been changed so much by like social, like being on Twitter. I was like, who wants who to call him daddy? And so that's when I woke up for a few more minutes. And then, yeah, it kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's the Steve Buscemi character. There was a period of time from from 1995 until like about 2002 where uh, Steve Buscemi played the exact same character uh, just over and over and over again. Someone who was like in the mix of the action, but would always say like a pervy thing out of nowhere, like or like a weird like, wait, what? Um, And he was just that's just like his character that he was for. He was he was like the mid '90s, early 2000s version of Michael Sarah in terms of someone who could literally not play anyone else. Yeah, this, yeah, he's playing here the character that he played in Armageddon. Ex- like exactly the character yeah, in Armageddon, yeah. and then and then like a a version of that character was in Con Air. Um, oh yeah, it, I mean he was a psychotic killer, but he was also very like put upon right, and like just exactly. saying one liners and like. Yeah. Oh, guys, that's what's going on. He, he, fits, the, he fits the vibe yeah. of any film that he's in, but he plays basically the same, like, exact responses to everything. Um, yeah. Yep. Anyway. Extremely yeah. true. Anything good we want to say about this movie? Because nah. I, I have one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got some good stuff, but go ahead. What, what, what's, what's, your, what's your good thing? I think the phantoms are kind of creepy, which is good yeah. for like a, what is ostensibly like kind of a weird sci-fi horror movie. Um, when you really boil it down to like what they achieved here for 177 million dollars, it's basically kind of like a very wide-scale sci-fi horror movie. And the whole idea of weird ghosts, weird orange ghosts that can come through the walls, and if they touch you, they tear out your soul and eat it. Uh, which is what happens in this movie. I don't think we've said, but the fa- the phantoms, the ghost aliens that have landed on Earth from a, an asteroid uh, from their destroyed home planet, um, if they touch you, your soul gets ripped out of your body and then screams as it is devoured by a giant centipede fish or whatever. <laughs> I thought I wish that were <laughs> Good. Uh-huh. <laughs> big mood these days. Hey, we all uh, have our watching the movie. Is that what you mean? Like, it's just big like, mood these days. You know, that's kind of really yeah. yeah. It's now, understandable. Are, do you relate to the big weird fish or to the soul getting ripped out and we're out to hell? A little more the soul getting ripped out, but I think mm-hmm. the fish has some grounds for relatability. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Uh, I thought I thought that was I, th- I think their design is okay. Like uh, again, I think there's just so bland in terms of like the world that they inhabit and everything. This is this is a weird micro hill for me to die on. It's like a, it's like a long running thing with me. When did when did uh, Lord of the Rings, the first Lord of the Rings, come out? Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Within a few months after this. Okay. Um, so this doesn't necessarily 100% apply in the same way, but I feel like there was definitely a run there of a lot of movies trying to be the two towers in terms of recreating like epic battle scenes between large armies. And one of the my pet peeves with that stuff is everybody wanted to do their fucking Helm's Deep thing. So you get fucking seven Narnia movies and it's all just them trying oh. to be Lord of the Rings for children. 
And yeah. one, one thing that those movies do that I hate is just having the, the way that they try to express scale of a large battle is to just have a big, flat, open plane and two large forces run at each other full tilt from across like 100 meters. Are we and talking it just never... about Avengers Endgame? I, it's exactly the same thing. I think that fucking fight scene in Endgame sucks too because it's the same problem, which the thing with me, uh, a lot of that is just that it's not imaginative. It doesn't evoke scale or like an interesting battlefield or anything the way that the Helm's Deep does. Like the, you know, Lord of the Rings movies have their own problems, but Helm's Deep is kind of cool because it's this big, giant, um, multi-layered, tiered space with like uh, the opportunity to come up and down stairs to block off entry points and do like drama around the like geographical area that you're in and every time anybody else tries to do cg battles that nobody ever gets that or even tries to do it or discovers it's too expensive to do or what and this movie does that um in all of the scenes that should be the most alien and otherworldly on the literal flashbacks to the alien planet that was destroyed that aki sees in her dreams and it just looks so hokey and boring and lifeless in <laughs> a way that really throws me out of the movie yeah i don't i don't i did not understand the choice of of the like the barren cracked earth uh imagery of the alien planet like i'm like why wouldn't you show us something that was like full of life and interesting and not like not like a fucking a Winamp, uh, you know, like like a fucking screensaver from from two thousand one. Um, I, I don't know. Like it just, there there was some visual design in this film that I actually think is is really interesting. Like a lot of the I don't know the technological stuff that they were trying to you know, like when they dropped from a ship and they shot like the goo that they would like basically fall yeah. into like there were some ideas in this this movie that I was like oh, all right like okay sure and even though I made fun of it it's like you know the confetti gun shit to basically like you know show where these things are it's like uh, something kind of pretty and interesting about that but then you have these choices like you know this this planet that's so devoid of life and it kind of goes in the face of what they were actually trying to say about this old alien race um yeah and right. i don't know it's just kind of i don't know it's, the alien race stuff just doesn't make any sense either no, like it it's just and that's it's and that's where this falls apart to me is that like yeah. i agree with everyone kind of saying like yeah at least this has a narrative that kind of you know it, it makes a progressive kind of sense but like when you really think about the alien stuff for more than a minute or two it's like oh none yeah. of this stuff really comes together or the spirits like the fact that there's just eight random spirits it's just a video yeah. game that's all it is it's mm -hmm. just a plot conceit yeah. that is a video game yeah. like i guess if you were wanted to be incredibly charitable you could say oh that's a reference mm -hmm. to a video game but <laughs> it's really not it has no place in the movie no, yeah because it, the way the reason that that happens in a video game is because it is meant to propel you to different locations to go experience like new characters and do new battles and stuff like that and this movie yeah. doesn't have anything new to ever show you even the city this walled off new york this barrier fied new york is just this big empty hangar of a place with no people in it like they're, the, they're constantly from the outside it just looks like a wedding tent 
You're gonna go inside there and just the bougiest fucking wedding is happening there. And oh, on the inside, yeah. it, it was very reminiscent of Mass Effect 3 in the London area. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah and, I, and then I just started thinking about how much I miss Garrus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only he were here, yeah, he would have made the movie, movie so much better. Yeah, this film needed some He just shot them. <sighs> he did just he'd have seen General Hine and he'd just be like, Well, Shepard, I can just take him out like, right there now. There are a few, you know, <laughs> aliens and creatures as ugly as him in there, but there's there's not my Garrus, my ugly Turian bird cat yeah. hybrid yeah. husband, <laughs> the best man I've ever known. Anyway, uh-huh. that's where my brain goes, that's where it went, obviously, seeing how much it resembled uh the London section in Mass Effect three. Yeah. That makes sense. I I wonder sometimes how influential this movie was on people for as big of a flop as it was. Like, I wonder how much ideas around. Certainly it was instructive, right? In terms of like as a failure. Do not do this. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But I wonder, too, like there are a couple of things that, like John said, that do stick out. I do like the goo guns. I, as a big Friends at the Table fan, as long as we're just talking about other (laughs) sci-fi shit that we like that has nothing to do with this. um, I am always a fan of doing shit that we can already do with modern technology in ways that don't like, like come uh, come at it from the opposite direction. Like they could have just used parachutes to land down there or whatever, or used a rope and zip lined down from their drop shit. No, they shot a big jelly gun into the ground and then trampolined off into the night. That was very good. Yeah. I mean, there was stuff that was fine for me. Like it worked. It was like, it was goofy, but it was, it's fine um i mean it it kind of plays into this idea that the scientist uh played by donald sutherland has basically discovered this like link between energy and all living things and he's used that to harness you know technology in new and interesting ways that allows for things like the barrier and a bunch of other stuff that they've done it's like yeah like a lot of this goofy shit sure like that has that that has to do with this energy okay like that that's fine with me um bioetheric energy yeah, yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought a couple of the voice performances were fine in this movie. I really did. I, I thought Ming Na Wen was actually pretty good sure. in this, given the material. I mean, it's material not, these are the not worst. great lines. Yeah, I was, but she yeah. somehow got a performance out of it. You know, yeah. I immediately recognized her as Mulan, and I was like, "Is someone yeah. holding a gun to her head while she's saying <laughs> these lines?" It was so upsetting, but. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're all much more positive people and I'm happy to be around you. <laughs> I mean, people who are much more positive and spread more joy and positivity. And I mean, my history with Ming-Na Wen, and we, we, could, we could really do an entire, I, I think, anthology series on Ming-Na Wen. Um, yes, we could, Just actually. in terms of her ability to take absolute fucking drivel of video game inspired uh like dialogue (laughs) and story scenarios and turning them into things Uh that were at least half watchable and it's like like she and raul julia were the only two things that made uh street fighter uh the movie even remotely watchable and 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 i would almost say when they were both on screen together it was pretty good and like you know it's like it's pretty interesting so i don't know ming na wayne's got a history of this so the most memorable line in that movie is an exchange between ming na wayne and raul julius of course it is for sure she's genuinely good 
Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm going to say it. I like, I liked, uh, I haven't watched the last couple seasons, but I, when I was watching it, I liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot and she was very good on that. Ah. Oh, yeah, she was on that. Yeah. I think that's over. Yeah, now, I'm not going to go uh, on that journey with you. That movie, that's a choice. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of it is bad. Yeah. Uh, but also, I like bad TV that has a lot of episodes that I can watch sometimes. That's fair. Anyway, we are we are completely going in a different direction now. Do we have anything else we want to say just in general about the movie or our thoughts or anything that won't be that we didn't already go over on our Evan Children pod? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. Natalie. <laughs> I need to get it off my chest. Okay, okay. The, the voice acting in Abbott Children was actually good. The voice acting in this movie was very flat. Um, the romance was 30 minutes in, and it made absolutely no sense, and it was rather disturbing. I was disturbed even more thoroughly by the scene in which Aki sounds like she's crying, but she has absolutely no facial expression. The script is mostly just exposition. The acting is so flat. Advent Children is a sequel movie, so it does not ease you gently into that good night, but I would rather be eased, you know, like, into a good night at all that this and um uh-huh. yeah so um those are my thoughts I'm, uh, hey natalie i'm just glad that you didn't dilly dally shilly shally to get that out for us oh, right now oh Fuck off. <laughs> that that line is bad but I, but it is memorable natalie. All of the and lines in that film are bad. They, they, yes, but, but it's it's memorable, just like how Advent Children made you want to revisit the memories of Final Fantasy VII, and you watched it again, right? But but this is just the spirits within antis. All of you listening to this podcast, like I, I will represent you. I. Yeah. I mean, if, no, yeah. I think I, I think we all are on the same page that we don't like this movie. I mean, if, if, mem- <laughs> yeah, if, I, if memorability, no. you know, just so much more lovely and positive about it, though. Like, I just cannot, <laughs> I cannot find. Or, like, I am retroactively looking at Max Caulfield from Life is Strange, who I dearly <laughs> love, and I'm like, bitch, like, you have really good taste in women, but not in movies? Like, what? How is the disparity this bad? Like, oh my goodness. And I'm just, I'm reconsidering her as one of my favorite characters. <laughs> like, <sighs> Yazoo is my new best friend. That's fine. Listen, if, memor- yeah. if, if memorability uh, is like the, the, the thing that we have to measure, I mean, then, you know, yeah, war crimes are memorable too. You know, it's like. And I guess the positive is that. The spirits within is very bad, but I don't, <laughs> I don't actively hate it. And I think, oh, I don't sure. know what's worse with art when you actively hate it or when you feel indifferent about it. All I know is that I feel rather indifferent about the spirits within, but I hate Kingsglaive. So at least <laughs> yeah. the spirits within doesn't have that going for it. No, I don't actively sure. hate it. I just don't feel anything for it. I think you've got a good point. I mean, like, I, I think I yeah. would rather feel something. Even if it was abject hatred, then to feel like yeah. to I feel basically too, but nothing. But in this case, I I just like re- like I'm gonna rewatch Kingsglaive right before we record the next. You love to see it just yeah. so that I can feel yeah. like the raw anger that that uh-huh. movie instills in <laughs> yeah. me. Reignite that fire. And it's like I would rather the 
you know, this talk about the spirits within, it's bad. It, you know, it's not like Final Fantasy. The acting was not great. The script was like pretty bad. But, you know, like that, that exchange between the, the soldiers was something that yeah. I enjoyed. And the, I, is it, yeah, it was something. And um, I, I don't even want to think about King's Glaive, or at least until <laughs> I have to record for it. Yeah, for business reasons. There is something I'm wondering and just listening to you talk about this that I okay here's a thing here's a concept and and maybe this could be a wrapping up thought but I wonder if it's something to do with the fact that this does not feel like anime in the same way that those other two movies feel a little bit more anime Oh, yeah. And if that is alienating to some people and less alienating to people who have watched less anime or have less Final Fantasy in their lives. And if that is like part of the reasoning here. Mm-hmm. Um, the producers of Final Fantasy 13 actively work to make the settings and overall kind of diversity of the cast to feel more like the United States than Asian cultures. Ah, uh, okay. And that's another okay. way in which I might feel like spirits within actually maybe paved some of the ground for 13 yeah it, i think both the spirits within and final fantasy 13 have badly written plots but the difference between them is that the characters in final fantasy 13 are actually good oh yeah, and i think i, I think if yeah, you have sure. good characters it can save a bad plot it can. this i only know yeah. aki because yeah. everyone was saying aki and i know the Neil guy because of the Neil Jr. calling me daddy thing. <laughs> <laughs> we can't go back there. Please. <laughs> and at the end when when our mans died, I was just like, oh well that's that's kind of it for you, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that's how it be sometimes, you know, you get your soul sucked by the aliens and that's kind of how it goes. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah. damn. That is how it goes sometimes. That really is that really how out. it be sometimes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, how it be right now is that we, god damn it, that was the whitest fucking wow, pronunciation of that phrase I've ever said. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna, right I was now, gonna listeners. absolutely just let that pass, but sure. Yeah, no, no, like, I, I, hey, uh, no one tortures me more than I torture me, John. Don't even worry about that Especially while watching the spirits within everyone. Thank you. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, boy. Well, we have seen the spirits within. We have discussed the spirits within. within. We did not love to see it. But that is going to be it for us this week, I think, because we have other stuff we need to go get to. <laughs> yeah, I've got to, uh, I've, I have for... to talk about Final Fantasy for another uh, cal- calendar, <laughs> probably close to two hours. Uh, right after, after this, this, we're yeeting off into Final Fantasy yep. that remake. Yep. We sure are. That is going to be a much more fun conversation. God, I want to talk to you guys about that oh yeah. my God. game. Okay, no. okay, it's time to wrap that up, y'all. Let's go. No, it's kidding. Okay. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> yeah. I've got to eat food before the next thing. So let's yeah, see. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that John can go and eat his food. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you do listen to podcasts. This is the Fan with Feed, but you can also go to Fanbyte FM and Fan Fight. There are two other feeds that you can find by going to fanbyte.com/podcasts. Uh, you can follow 
FanBite at, at FanBite Media on Twitter. Uh, we've got a TikTok. We've got an Instagram. We're all over the place. And where can people follow you, Natalie? You can follow me at Artemisia, which is a Final Fantasy VIII reference. Shout out to Hell me. Hell yeah. Final Fantasy VIII stands. Uh, that's heart. I am E-C- I-A, I just not, in case that needs to be spelled. did not realize that that's where that came from. <laughs> it's really... also a Final Fantasy thirteen reference. Yeah. I realized yesterday there's what? a place Palimisia. called the Palimisia. Yeah. yeah, my big brain just woof, went off when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can people follow you, John Warren? Oh God, you can follow. Uh, you can follow me at Bobby Gold <laughs> if you want to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how about you, Danielle? Are you more enthusiastic about being followed oh, on social media? Yeah. I'm at Danielle or I on Twitter. So easy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is an easy one. Yeah, it's easy to remember. Um, da- oh, Danielle R.I. is a Final Fantasy VII uh, reference. Uh, she's like, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's for that Danielle uh, it's uh, for, character. Yeah, or Danielle remake, which we're about yeah. to oh, record oh, for. Oh. Yeah. There it is. I'm actually playing that. Yeah, she's oh, like, yeah. baby's first fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Danielle so. remake. <laughs> Your big brain just totally <laughs> foresaw this. Remake of Danielle Riendo 3.33. <laughs> you cannot <laughs> play Final Final Fantasy. I'm really a clone of a soldier with DNA <laughs> manipulation. A twink soldier God with one it. shoulder pad. That's very yeah, rusty. one shoulder pad. That's all it's I just need. one rusted shoulder pad. <laughs> oh, God. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next week when we do, in fact, discuss Final Fantasy 15 King's Glaive, <laughs> oh. which is going to be a whole lot. <laughs> Stay tuned, everyone. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.